from him who condescends and bends down and stoops low to us in this place to give us his gifts, the greatest gifts of all, of life and forgiveness and salvation. From him be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. As you know by now, or I hope you know by now, our congregation's goal for this year, 2019, is 150. To have 150 people in daily devotions, weekly worship, and group discipleship of some kind for one entire month by the end of the year. That's our goal for this entire year, and our sermon series for this month is Looking over each of those things, last week we looked at daily devotions, today we're going to look at weekly worship, next week at group discipleship, and then finally the last Sunday of the month, the life of discipleship in general. So today's focus is weekly worship. And what we mean by that is being here at Ascension in worship every single week. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're here on Saturday night at 5.30 or here at 8.30 on Sunday morning or the 11 o'clock service on Sunday. What matters is that you are sitting at the feet of Jesus to receive his gifts, gathered together here in this place with your sisters and brothers in Christ, and being fed and nurtured by God and his holy sacraments on a weekly basis without fail. And so today, as our guide into weekly worship, I want to take a look at Hebrews chapter 10. You may want to take one of the pew Bibles out and have a look at it with me or look at the Bible app on your phone, but we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. That's Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. It says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is our text. I want to tell you this morning that you are perfect. Yes, you are perfect. Now, you may have come here this morning weighed down by guilt or shame or sin, but you are perfect. It says it right here in the Bible. It says it right here in this passage. In fact, You are perfect because this passage states explicitly that because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for you, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. 
So please hear the entire rest of this sermon with those ears ringing in your ear and that thought in the forefront of your mind. Because of Jesus' bodily sacrifice on the cross for you, you are perfect. There is nothing to weigh you down. The guilt has been taken away. Your sin is atoned for. It's paid for. It's thrown into the deepest sea, never to be seen again. And so you may come into the presence of God without any hesitation whatsoever. And that's what Martin Luther reminds us of in the small catechism where he encourages all of God's children to approach their father with all boldness and confidence without anything weighing them down or anything between them and God, and to ask him for what they need as dear children ask their dear father. That is without fear, without anything blocking the way. You and I are here at church this morning sitting at the foot of the cross to do just that, to enter God's presence with boldness and confidence and to ask him as dear children ask their Dear Father, because of Jesus' great sacrifice, we are given the gift of participating in the priestly service of Jesus right here in this place. And if that's not incredible, then I don't know what is. And so with that thought ringing in your ears and in the forefront of your mind, let's consider the three things that this passage from Hebrews tells us that we get to do when we come together as a community every time we come here to this place. Now before I get into those, I just want to remind you that there are myriads of reasons why we ought to be in church on a weekly basis. But we're just going to look at three today. The three that are pointed out in this passage from Hebrews. And these are the three. We get to come near to God with a true heart in fullness of faith. Second, we get to hold on to hope for dear life because of what we receive here in this place. And third, we get to provoke one another to good works when we make it a habit to come to church. So, beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. You've been a Lutheran for any amount of time, you've heard those words. You know them by heart. We are here today in the fullness of faith because we have already confessed our sins. They have been absolved. They have been forgiven. And Jesus has cleared our way to God. In Old Testament times, once a year, there was a day called the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement was the one day of the year when the high priest of God's people was able to enter the Holy of Holies of the temple to sprinkle blood on the altar, to atone for all the sins of Israel for the entire past year. But before the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, he had to do two things. First, he had to be washed and purified and cleansed with water. And then he had to take the animal in for the sacrifice, where he would sacrifice at the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the ancient writings of the rabbis tell us how the high priest got into the Holy of Holies. 
As you may know, there was a curtain in the front separating the holy place from the holy of holies, and it was actually two curtains. The two curtains were about a cubit apart, about a a foot and a half apart, and the priest would go between those two curtains on one end of the temple, walk all the way to the other end, and then enter into the Holy of Holies, where he would ultimately make the sacrifice and sprinkle the blood on the Ark of the Covenant for the sins of the people. Jesus made a different way for us. He entered heaven on our behalf by way of his blood, the blood that he shed on the cross. And that means that you and I get to go into the holy places of God. Our way is made by the washing of water in our baptism where we are purified and cleansed before God once and for all. And when we come to the altar and eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus that he has shed for us on his cross. So without ever leaving the physical space of earth, right here in this place, we get to access heaven on earth in order that we would go out from this place and live holy lives. When we come to church, you and I get to go where no Israelite high priest ever got to go. We get to go straight into the presence of Jesus without any barrier at all. We get to go there boldly and confidently and happily knowing that this is the place where God's gifts are given to us. The second gift we get when we worship together on a weekly basis is the gift of hope. The hope that we cling on to, that we hold on to for dear life. I want you to take a a moment right now to think about how much time you spend here in church and how much time you spend out there in the world being influenced by the things of the world. Is there even any comparison? We're here, what, about an hour a week and all the rest of the hours of the week we are out there in the world being influenced and having our hope torn down and taken away. The world has a great way of tearing down the hope that we as Christians are meant to have. Wasn't it St. Peter who said that we are to be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have within you? Dig down deeply into anyone's soul, anyone's soul on the face of the earth, and you will find that everyone is searching for some kind of hope. That's why politics and politicians have become a religion to many people in America today. They think that politics and politicians can give them some kind of hope to hold on to. It's why there are those who put their trust in popularity and and likes on Facebook and Instagram. It's why even we who sit here in this church have to admit that we chase after chase after the things of this world that give us only temporary satisfaction because we forget the fact that we are sinners and we need to die. We're going to die. And so we chase after things that help us forget that. Those things tear hope away from us and we need hope. Not too long ago, there was an obituary that went viral across the internet, and when I read it, you'll see why. It was 
uh, an obituary for Cornelia June Rogers Miller, and this is what it said about her. Drugs were a major love in her life, as June had no hobbies, made no contribution to society, and rarely shared a kind word or deed in her life. Please let June Miller's life be a cautionary tale. Addiction and hatred are no es bueno for the living. We speak for the majority of her family when we say her presence will not be missed by many, very few tears will be shed, and there will be no lamenting over her passing. But we truly believe at the end of the day, all of us will really only miss what we never had, a mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. We hope she is finally at peace. There will be no service, no prayers, and no closure for the family she spent a lifetime tearing apart. And it ends with these two words. Goodbye, Mom. Wow. A hopeless person in a hopeless family in a hopeless situation. So very sad. We want to run away from that kind of hopelessness. But when you have the open opportunity to come to a place where you get to receive the gift of hope and abundance, you don't shrink back from it. You don't run away from it. You don't neglect it. You run to where that gift is given and you receive it over and over again. And it's right here in worship that we receive the gift of hope that comes to us by all of these gifts. Let's list a few of them. Here in worship, we get to rest with God. We get the gift of eternal salvation, an eternal inheritance, forgiveness of sins, a life with God, healing, holiness, access to the heavenly Jerusalem. All of this we get right here and right now in part. Someday we will receive it completely and in full. But we hold on to it here for dear life in this life as we approach God regularly in divine service, expecting him to keep his promises. Even when it feels to us like he's not keeping his promises or even breaking them. But he never does. He is ever and always faithful and always fulfills his promises. And so we come here to hold on to hope. For dear life. Finally, when we worship regularly, we get to provoke people. When you hear that word provoke, we usually think of provoking somebody to anger, but our text for today from Hebrews uses that word to say that when we provoke people, we provoke them to love and good works. So one of the reasons we come to church is so that we can discover the needs of others and then go and meet those needs. And sometimes the needy one is me or you. And you get your needs met here by your sisters and brothers in Christ. You look around and see the wonderful, loving, forgiving siblings that you have in your church family, your brothers and sisters. And so we don't neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, as was the habit of some even in Bible times. But we encourage one another to be here, to be faithful to God, faithful to one another, to be generous, to share love and the forgiveness of Jesus with each other. 
Here's an example of what encouraging one another to worship looks like. And I give you this example, not to hold myself up, but as an example of what the godly vocation of a parent is and does. When both of our kids went to college, and they both went away from us nine hours away in two different directions, when we dropped them off at school, we saw to it that they were connected to a church body in their respective cities. When we dropped Ashlyn off at college in Lincoln, Nebraska, we connected her with a church there and followed up on that. Are you going to church, Ashlyn? How was church this week? And she did that and went to church and got connected to a wonderful church there in Lincoln, Nebraska, as did Ben in Nashville when he was there. But eventually, Ashlyn started dating Josh. Josh had some church in his background, but had a sort of fallen away from it, and so Ashton brought Josh to church. Eventually, they discovered there at church that Josh hadn't been baptized. So Josh got baptized at the church there in Lincoln. Not too long after that, Ashlyn and Josh started teaching fourth grade Sunday school. Ashlyn the girls and Josh the boys. Now they're starting their own family and passing that faith down to the next generation. So Ascension, let's not neglect to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to conclude by giving you just one little object lesson, and it's an object lesson that you can hold on to and remember every single time you come into church. When you come into church, we have this center aisle, And when you come up the center aisle, you look up here in front, and is there any curtain or is there anything else separating the center aisle from the front of the church? No, nothing at all. The curtain has been taken away. Jesus has blown it wide open for you. When you come into church, you have full and total and complete access to God the Father Almighty, to his Son Jesus, and to the Holy Spirit. And that God bends down to you in worship to give you his gifts every single week without anything blocking that at all. Your sins are forgiven. You are free. Receive God's gifts every single week. In Jesus' name, amen.